2: On our internet, analytic here, aka dreams, and I'd like to welcome you to mine, which are called the Notorious Mass Effect Podcast. I'm your hip hop and gaming news source with a little bit of RB mixed in. Now, of course, before we get into the episode and what consists in the show, have to talk about a couple things and give y'all an update, right? So first of all, of course, Christmas vacation, happy holidays to y'all. If y'all don't celebrate Christmas, you know, just blanket happy holiday statement. And of course, everybody experiences the new year. So happy new year's whenever that occurs for you. With that out the way, basically the update for Notorious Mass Effect is that y'all are supporting tremendously. And I say that a lot simply because I want y'all to know that I definitely appreciate the support. But of course, I'm not gonna spend too much time on that. Let's just get to some of y'all's sentiments of, well, on my channel about certain instances that have happened in the hip hop community as y'all are some comedians. I'm not gonna lie, y'all are pretty funny, right? Now, specifically, if you don't know what I'm talking about and go over to Analytic Dreams video on Spotify to see the video along with the audio, cause I'm about to play some snippets from my YouTube channel. So this time we're gonna be talking about my YouTube channel, right? just passed twelve thousand subscribers and of course another update which i thought i just thought about i'm making a pc build so i'm gonna have more elements at my disposal as far as like cues and uh, sound effects and things of that nature but i do want to clap it up myself you know i don't know if y'all can hear that that's pretty bad i know my fault hey i try my best right anyways i'm gonna have a lot more elements for to have those sound effects at a push of a button but besides the point pat yourselves on the back because we've as the masses have surpassed twelve thousand subscribers on youtube and let me tell y'all i'm beyond appreciative because honestly the way i post content on youtube is scarcely um is scarce when i'm talking about my own voice but as far as other interviews and shorts is what i'm mostly Posting, so for y'all to support like y'all do for just these shorts that I'm posting, I really much, I very much appreciate it. Another thing with the YouTube, I mean, of course I post like community posts, you know, trying to keep y'all up to date. But of course I'm one man covering, you know, a plethora of of platforms, trying to uh, see what works. But I did figure out a certain strategy that I think y'all like going into 2024. Let's just say a video camera might or might not be involved. And we're going to have a lot more content on this channel containing my voice, right? Because of course, with the podcast, the TikTok, that's doing well. And that's mostly me just talking. For YouTube, it's mostly shorts. And now, without further ado, of course, you know, uh, just wanted you to see my YouTube for a second, you know, just in case you want to, you know, subscribe to your boy, you know what I'm saying? If you don't, it's all right, you know what i'm saying? It might be forget you for life, but i haven't decided yet. So with that being with that being out the way, right? Um <clears throat> let's get into some of the shorts cuz y'all are beyond hilarious, right? So let me pause the beat right quick and get into some of these videos. So in general, like i post these shorts and a lot of people comment on them and that's kind of how i get a um A snapshot on what people are thinking about this particular scenario right so one of them of course let's just start with the first one go down so this one i just posted 642 it's probably going to keep going up just like the other ones um and the reason i know it's going to keep going up because i posted this and like after nine views it was like four likes and one comment like it's the engagement is very high on these shorts which to me means that y'all want more so i'm gonna keep trying to feed y'all when it comes to the shorts but anyways um of course kanye west crashing out we're not gonna play it because well we're not gonna play too much of it because you know that man hey there's a a couple screws loose Let's just say that but he's still a genius when it comes to music but anyways of course we have eli james right here saying yes or yes i think that's how you say i'm old you know i can't i don't know the lingo nowadays but anyways that man said the legend has spoke again and boy did the legend speak let me tell you something disrespect towards kanye is still not tolerated. That's how much of a genius that man is in the music landscape. Think of all the outlandish things he said from snatching the mic away from Taylor Swift to going against the Jewish community in its entirety. Everybody still capes for that man, Mr. West, because musically, he has just given us the greatest body of work as far as hip-hop discography that we've ever seen. So with that being said, um anton xavier said he needs to get all those people away from him asap and i agree with him you know basically he's i'm not gonna go to a deep dive a deep dive on all these comments y'all get what i'm saying right uh anyway somebody replied saying he doesn't learn and somebody else said and only surround himself with enablers i mean if you're a billionaire that's usually what happens do y'all know that one friend that changes up completely when the with the guy with money comes in the room like when the guy with money comes in the room and somebody changes up, just know that person is fake. And the totality of how many things can go wrong that can go right, you can always know that the guy that switches up for the person with money, he is not to be trusted. Anyways, so we're gonna keep running through some of these other comments. That was just something I wanted to focus on. Of course, this guy is mimicking Young Boy. A lot of people is liking it, saying it's hard ride around with the drop top with a stolen Glock. I ain't gonna lie to you that's straight fire when it comes to certain music and the landscape of hip-hop that contains violence this is the one that i really do enjoy listening to it's like my guilty pleasure i could listen to young boy talking about illegal activities for hours at a time and i know something's wrong with me but don't worry i'm gonna get checked out soon uh and i like this at the bottom right somebody said why is he trying to rap like Marshall Mathers? I was like, dang, I've never heard that before. That's a unique take. <laughs> then somebody else uh, replied to mine. It said, well, PG podcast. So basically I'm just going to say, they said what? With a lot of ex- uh, laughing faces. So people are funny in these comment sections, right? Uh, There's another Kanye rant. You never know what he's going to say. And then 50 cent. Uh, it seems like on the channel, people like my 50 cent post the most as I think that's the highest performer as far as shorts, but you know, I try to still diversify it, but, I think people like 50 cents the most. Um, so you get it, right? People, you know, in in each and every oh, never mind. Rick Ross one, they went crazy for it. So y'all get what I'm saying, right? The shorts are going crazy. Um, also, let me let me not uh let me give y'all even more credit. Let me see if I can find it. Of course, my own videos are going crazy. I mean, in in my uh estimate of going crazy as far as like just starting posting my podcast stuff to my youtube because it's not going to be often because if you don't know my main machine is podcasting so with youtube i don't mind doing it on youtube but it's kind of like it gets in the way of some of the things i try to get as far as sponsors and you know if i implement youtube along with my podcast then you know the the negotiations have to go a little differently you know what i mean (laughs) you bring in more platforms you got to negotiate a little differently but anyway that's besides the point so that's the reason why you don't see me post my own content on here too often but anyways the uh, episode 28 128 that I posted three months ago that was at 2.6 thousand of course episode tw- uh, 129 was at 3.8 thousand episode 130 was at 5.9 thousand and then of course you see episode 131 posted three weeks ago was at 7.5 thousand so in the span of three months, I can't count, but y'all see it's a lot of thousands, right? You know, hey, I swear I go to college. I swear, I just, I don't feel like counting right now. I'm on break. um. So I can see y'all's continuous support, which made me think of a new uh way to, to feed y'all while also making sure I have my business in order because of course I do it for the love of the game, but also I can't be giving out free stuff to certain people who try to sponsor the pod. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> With that being said, obviously, I'm always working. Um, Spotify channel is where the most consistent uploads of my voice is on covering hip hop or gaming. Uh, So if you're wondering why I don't post on here often, I would just follow my spot Well, just any podcast, Notorious Mass Effect channel. Just know I'm uploading frequently because at the end of the day, I am a podcast. I'm not a streamer or whatever. But next year. Content's going to look a little different because I'm always trying to improve. You know how people say um, support financially because it helps with the show overall? It literally helps with the show overall. Like I literally just invested. And yes, I'm calling it an investment because boy, do PCs cost a, a grip, right? <laughs> I bought my parts. Put I'm. I haven't put them together yet because I'm still waiting on two more parts. But basically when I put that together is basically to make a better show overall as far as like uh, sound effects and Y- y'all gonna see what, what happens but um yeah i was gonna wait till i got till i put that together but um yeah it didn't happen <laughs> so i'm still waiting on a couple parts which i'm not in a rush but i was like let me just get some episodes out of the way before that comes in because that's why i was wait- I was waiting on that to to do an episode when that was completely all uh, put together but anyways um another thing i am gonna give my roundup of 2023 probably next week late next week is when i'm gonna make the episode for that and i'm gonna put it out on hopefully before 2024 i don't know why but people like to do it like at the mid at the at the start in middle of december for me if i'm doing a 2023 wrap-up i kind of want to wait till closer to 2024 if that makes sense so that's coming so this episode is gonna and um is gonna insist in Consist of a lot of gaming and hip-hop business talk and then of course i'm gonna cover new music later as well as always i'm gonna cover new music around wednesday thursday of course and the roundup will happen next week Late next week, so of course, I'm always recording for y'all. That's why I said follow my notorious Mass Effect on whatever podcast platform or whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. But I'm always recording, always doing something. So if it looks like I'm going on a break on a certain platform like TikTok, Twitter, or YouTube, just know I'm always working in the uh, background trying to come up with new ways to entertain y'all if that makes sense. And also, well, as always, click my link tree in my bio and um follow on one of my social medias to dm me or uh, email me on what you want to see when it comes to notorious mass effect in 2024 and a lot of y'all was very supportive when i was putting pc parts together y'all was uh insisting help a couple of y'all was like facetime me and 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 i can help you put it together which that was like crazy like that was like that's hey what they say be like that's that's real talk right there or no that's that's real love or something like that basically they be being supportive right And that made me realize, I was like, I have a lot of uh, PC heads who follow the podcast, which is interesting because I've never played on PC ever, but I do know a lot of things when it comes to PC, but putting it together, hey, that's a whole nother discussion. So anyways, uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. So basically, let's get into the episode. Episode 132, like I said, is going to consist of a lot of gaming and hip hop business talk. But at the end of the day, this episode 132 is titled The Greatest well quotation mark greatest album of all time exclamation point question mark and quotation and crystal ball emoji for those who don't know why do i say that is because we're getting into the iconic legendary and unique onique uh tanya mirage so with that being said before all of that (laughs) make sure to click my link tree in my bio access my social medias and follow to keep on my latest activities if you want to support the show financially click my cash app link located towards the bottom of my link tree as it helps the show overall also make sure to share this podcast rating this show five stars as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses with that being said let's get into the first topic of episode 132 which is of course the one the only and one of my favorite artists of all time juice world it's so nice that in a world full of negativity and just speaking in a derogatory fashion and with so many musicians gaining revenue off of showcasing and highlighting and capitalizing off of satanic image uh images and numbers that the late great juice world made his whole mantra of course off of 999 because if you don't know there's a lot of people running off of satanic images and and things of that nature but say what you want about juice world and some of his references to certain things or his topic matter when rapping is 999 has such a great meaning when it comes to the overall grand scheme of hip-hop, because if you don't know, Uzi's one of the biggest artists when it comes to 666, and Juice World basically went with 999 because his end version of 666, traditionally associated with negativity and, of course, the devil, and Juice World believed in flipping that into a positive force, representing any struggles or hardships you face and using them to push yourself forward and ultimately grow for all my juice world fans out there that didn't know that hey the more you know isn't that what gi joe said but anyways that's besides uh the point not saying that trying to implement that he had b for uzi because of course not just saying that he did a different take of always trying to Use negativity and, and satanic numbers and imagery for financial gain, right? Juice World took the opposite value, and now we're here. He's one of the biggest artists still, even after death. You know, rest in peace to Juice World. Of course, everybody knows that he passed away over overdosing, and now he's putting out post hummus music. Well, Ben putting out post music, but now he's back again, which is what this segment is over.
3: He's back again with a new album titled the party never ends because okay let me just
2: run down the timeline for you juice world died in december 2019 you know from a drug overdose post hummus albums came after which is which includes legends never die that came out in 2020 and fighting demons that came out in 2021 and now the final and post hummus album the party never ends is scheduled to come out in 2024 so that being said. There's one DJ that's over this entire scenario. And with that, I just want you to know that this man is a pretty prominent source and to the process of making this album and probably when it's going to be released. You know, some people say, hey, how do you know certain things about the hip hop industry? Usually the artist isn't working by himself and the people he's working with usually sometimes slip information to the public or not to the public, but to certain people to get out to the public. So that being said, um DJ DJ Scheme DJ Scheme confirmed that out of all the news he could have confirmed about Juice World's album, this man confirmed that I Show Speed is going to be featured on Juice World's album. Now I'm not laughing at I Show Speed as he's one of the more prominent content creators in this game. As you can see right here, this is a snapshot of I Show Speed in the studio with DJ Scheme. If you don't see it analytic dreams video on spotify for the video version along with the audio with that being said this is a picture of i Show speed literally in the studio with dj scheme with that being said i keep saying that but um further note <laughs> a person that goes by distinct said ain't no way this speed he he spelled it sped but we're just gonna speed past that hey pun it nah my fault my fault hey y'all can throw y'all tomatoes my fault let me get back to it ain't no way this speed here's the party never ends which is what this abbreviation means before anyone else and then guess what the man himself dj Skeen, replied and said no
3: he's actually featured on the whole album now how about that I mean, he, ain't had, he ain't had that part, but, you know, I just felt like I just felt like it would have went with the anyways. So
2: DJ Scheme said, no, he's actually featured on the whole album. So now we have a confirm that I Show Speed is going to be giving off some type of bars along with Juice World, And that concerns me to the highest degree. No discredit to Speed, because if you think about it. Play Cardi had academics on his last album, I think it's called uh what was it called it's all red or everyday red I forget what it's called it's something I I swear I'm blanking on a name it's something with red in the title but at the beginning of the album he had academics on the album basically you know hyping up the release date and talking about how he sold his soul to get information for the Cardi album and um if there's something like that well, I show speed basically if it's like a skit or a rendition of speed doing one of his uh iconic you know um outbursts on the album or whatever maybe he's screaming along to some type of juice world rock song i could see that being fired but there's no way the i show speed is giving a bars because he said he's actually featured on the whole album meaning he's a feature right but i'm like is he featured in a talking manner or a creative music making manner because of course there's two ways you can go with it and if they go with the latter, it's gonna sound. It's gonna be literally one of the worst songs ever created. I don't care how great Juice World is. There's no carrying. I show speed. It's almost like when LeBron invited Westbrook to come play along with him at the Lakers and realized that this man is going to be at the death of me, so he traded him to somebody else. Right? I show speed musically, adding to Juice World's discography would be the worst decision of all time hopefully I made that clear <laughs> so anyways let's get to one of the best decisions and juice world's camp and that was to release the track with Eminem and Benny Blanco titled Lace It as it was streamed 1.29 million times so 1.3 basically million times in this opening day on Spotify and it's juice world's 119th song to chart on the global Spotify which you know, 119th, that man's a legend. Come on now. Also, Juice World and Eminem's Lacer, which is the latest track, basically a single for this album, came out. And you can see right here. It's the latest video. But anyways, it's out on DSPs too. And it debuted at number five on the Apple
3: Music US charts. And something else. Oh, okay, that's basically it. Basically, that track is very successful. So, anyways, um, Benny Blanco, in his
2: collaboration, wrote a heartfelt message on his Instagram. Now, I'm not going to look up because if you want to see me talk about that, just look up Lace It, Analytic Dreams. Pause. But. I covered that in its entirety and basically covered and gave a rendition of of, uh, Benny Blanco's message. So with with that out the way, uh, Lace It was a successful single for the upcoming album, The Party Never Ends. And apparently, I Show Speed will be a feature on it. So what does that mean? We have no idea. But at this point in time, we just know that it's supposed to come in 2024, marking his third post-Hummus release in the music landscape. First, we had... The first post-Hummus album was Legends Never Die. That was the first one after he died in December 2019. Fighting Demons came out in 2021. And now we have The Party Never Ends that's coming out 2024. And as a Juice World fan, I'm not going to give my sentiments over how I feel about that. I'm just going to say hopefully his estate, which is his family and... um For... Uh, I forget what you call it. First cousins or whatever benefit from this project that Juice World is about or Juice World's estate is about to put out, right? So with that being said, click my link to my bio. Let me know one of my social medias. What do you think about Juice World putting out What's the
0: easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify?
2: another well juice world's estate putting out another post hummus album the third post hummus album titled the party never ends and what are you most looking forward to and also quick question would y'all want to see i Show speed on juice world's album and do you think if you do what do you think he can contribute to the overall quality of the body of work For those who don't know, Jungkook has his track out with Usher titled Standing Next to You that is straight fire. Now, of course, it's an Usher remix, meaning that Standing Next to You has been out. But the collaboration from the two specific artists is something that I never knew I needed until I listened to it. You really got to give it a chance because it's one of those type of tracks where it jumps out at you as far as quality wise and sonic wise. uh, Sonically, both of these artists combined it's just a certified banger and hit because both of these artists have been having a tremendous 2023. And the reason I say that is because, hey, let me tell you, these type of achievements don't come too often. As Spotify and today's top hits, which you see right now, was celebrating the achievement as well because guess what? Jungkook has just joined the one billion stream club with seven featuring Lotto. So now with the Billions club series episode highlighting a bunch of songs to to enter the billions club seven reached 1 billion in 108 days, literally making history to the point where they made a whole spotlight spectacle about it. Jungkook himself expressed gratitude and celebrated in New York with seven of his favorite Korean snacks and then also uh, expressed gratitude towards the army for the support and talked about the impact of the song right and with that being said, I will play the video and let him discuss it, but you can see the subtitles and sometimes music is playing throughout the background of him talking I just don't want to risk it so. John Cook also I have something up here. John Cook joined Blackpink's Lisa as the only K pop soloist in Spotify's Billions Club. And this are spe- these are specific tracks, right? Because if you really want to talk about it, John Cook is like the Michael Jackson of BTS. The way that he came out and had immense success on every single track is Michael Jackson esque because of statistics. And, like I said at the start of this segment, if you listen to that track with him and Usher, sonically, you can kind of get that type of feel of a Michael Jackson record because it's heavily inspired by it. I could 100% say that because that track, Straight Fire, and I know 100% wise, it was inspired by MJ. So with that being said, the reason why I come to Michael Jackson of the group is because you don't throw that term around loosely. And I'm definitely not with Jungkook as he... Has surpassed four billion streams on Spotify and across all credits, and he's also the first K-pop soloist ever, like of all time. Like every K-pop soloist, he's at the top as far as reaching this milestone. So four billion streams with the B. <laughs> so with that being said, um, let's keep going. He's of course won a plethora of awards at uh, several award shows, like Music Show wins, um. UK chart specialist award, Melon weekly popularity award, Guinness World Record. Yes, he actually has a Guinness World Record, and not only does he have one, he has five of them. <laughs> so, with that being said, um, you know, they don't call me Analytic Dreams for no reason. I'm always getting into the analytics and dissecting it, right? Because, of course, Cook is putting up dream like numbers, and not only is he putting up dream like numbers, but I took a check, uh, took it upon myself to find out what in the world did this man win a guinness world record over because i'm like that's kind of random right don't you need somebody to come and like measure you and be like okay uh ready set go and then if you do it before the world record you get it i don't know how that works so i looked it up right apparently jungkook officially earned his guinness world record as the artist with, with the most
3: number one hits this is his fifth guinness world record but he earned it being or having
2: the most number one hits on the official MENA chart with 7 3D and standing next to you. So this means the official MENA chart is the first ever official chart in the Middle East and North Africa and aggregates charts reflecting streaming data from Angami, Apple Music, Deezer, Spotify, and YouTube Music. So if you want to know that is where he's getting these uh well not all of them but that was his latest guinness world record so if you wonder what entailed him getting a guinness world record well there you have it so with that being said there's really nothing too much to get into i mean Cook's just running the charts having a michael jackson-esque run it would really surprise me if his label i think it's still a big hit right yeah big hit music it surprised me if they put him back with their group Because let me tell you something, if you're successful as one person, why come back to a group if you're, if you don't have to, right? Sugar, um, forget the other ones, J-Hope, um, and the rest of them, right? I don't know all the BTS people off the top of my head, but those two in specific, they could also have success on their own as they have, had have success. I think I said, I switched that up have had success but of course it hasn't been to the level of jungkook's status so what i'm saying is why not try each and every one which i think is what they're doing right now they just hit the jackpot with jungkook but man that's not even the jackpot that's like like do y'all know a billion streams is something insane like joe budden put pumping up right that didn't hit no platinum nothing nothing like that he's still to this day earning revenue off of that jungkook has um 4 billion streams in this year alone. So that being said, um, I think y'all can understand why I keep hyping this man up. But, <laughs> so, of course, he had 7. The track with uh, Lotto. I think that was the track with Lotto. Yeah, the track with Lotto. Because 7 came out by itself and then it was a Lotto remix, I believe. Because, of course, I'm not going to say it, but, you know, there was a couple... I'm not just going to say it was a couple culture vultures trying to, trying to ride off the wave of junk Cook. But let me just say that they, they wasn't trying to collab with him until he had a hit with Seven, until he had a hit with um, all these other tracks that he was putting out. And then they started to try to hop on a remix and things of that nature. Now, is that throwing shade in the Maybe just a little bit, but... I just want to point it out so people aren't blinded by the fact that, oh, see, so-and-so knew him before he blew up. Like, nah, they knew, they knew him after he started to impact the charts like he did, which is nothing wrong with it. You know, the game is the game, but, you know, somebody has to point that out and, you know, why not the guy covering it? So anyways, um, solo debut, 7, you know, of course, was his uh, successful single that ended up getting a lot of remix. Then he released a track. Uh, 3D featuring Jack Harlow, and then Too Much with the killer Roy and Central C. Granted, all of those songs did tremendously on the charts. So he keeps all these are just straight out of the park hits, right? Then he released his first solo album ever in Golden that released November third, and then enlisted for mandatory military service on December twelfth to return by June twenty twenty five. So the thing with that is right. This man is going to take a break, obviously, going to the military and because, you know, it's mandatory, mandatory military service. And he's going to come back in June 2025. I think that's why they're going so hard with these individual rollouts, because they hit, they go off the mandatory military service. You let these tracks that have been running the charts keep running it. And then when they come back, they keep going with the quality level. Or just with the numbers with the revenue basically he's a cash cow at this point right you go away got to do your mandatory military service and then you come back to make us more money that's probably what big hit entertainment is doing i wouldn't be surprised if another bts member starts to blow up in 2024 while obviously there won't be too much Cook material to come out in the near future unless they pre-recorded it which you could always do but if i was guessing i would say not so anyways that's all i had to say congrats to Cook. Entering the billion stream club again for the fifth, what fourth time? Yeah. Or is it fifth? Anyways, I, I lost count at this point. And um shout out to Lotto, uh, Jack Harlow, Kill roy Central C. I think I even saw a Justin Timberlake feature. Usher, all y'all, shout out y'all for, for riding away. But hey, I guess the game is the game, right? So anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Cook just running up the numbers, entering the Billion Club time after time after time? And also, do you think that Cook is the Michael Jackson of BTS? And when it comes to the overall music field, do you think he's one of the best artists in today's history? I felt like it was only right to talk about Baby Keem as if you don't know, one of my most successful, one of my most successful segments of all time is when Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar had one of the most unserious music videos of all time titled The Hillbillies. Now with that being said, of course that was a comedy bit, but also a lot of truth sprinkled throughout that video I do believe Baby Keem is a very talented artist, but as far as how serious he took music in 2023, let's just say his seriousness levels was uh, goofy goober-esque as far as how serious this man was, just to give you an indication on
3: where I'm going with this, right? The Hillbillies came out June 5th, 2023. Leave Me Alone
2: came out granted it was technically fred again's track but he was on it december 8th 2023 so throughout this whole year what has he been doing well he gave you a glimpse of what he's been working on behind the scenes as he just released his first ever short film the melodic blue if you don't know the melodic blue came out that's the deluxe edition The Melodic Blue came out September 22nd, 2021. It is 2023, and we really haven't had any serious offerings when it comes to music from Baby Keem. Now, not saying that Hillbillies isn't a good track. I'm just saying as far as the replayability and as far as the uh, take rap seriously portion of hip hop, I don't know if the Hillbillies really check both of those boxes, but as far as quality wise, it's decent. Anyways, getting into the short film about the melodic blue is a 20 minute film available on Amazon prime video. So this man went out his way to make sure y'all take this seriously and show this short film some respect as it was directed by Savannah Seton and delves into baby keem's mentality exploring fragments of memory and temptation related to the melodic blue album That straight fire as if you don't know the melodic blue to me was one of my favorite albums of that year like of course because i keep an archive which if you want to see my archive you can always click my link tree in my bio guard all the way down to what i'm listening to and then Go to my playlist because basically that's why I'm that's the same thing I'm about to do. Go to my playlist and I have it all listed out as far as my favorite music all the way back to like 2016. Yes, I am a music connoisseur. <laughs> Be like, this ain't just this ain't just for uh the podcast. <laughs> so, anyways, um, 2021, my top favorite albums was of course, I mean, the Goat. I mean, like, who even you know? And then, well, Certified A Boy with the Goat, of course. Donda with Kanye West. And it was Off Season by J. Cole. Man, 2021 makes you look look at this year and just be like, bro, we didn't get nothing close to none of those albums. (laughs) But anyways, Off Season by J. Cole, Soul Fly by Rod Wave, and then of course, The Melodic Blue by Baby Kim. So even though it squeaked on my top five of 2021, pause, I still hold this album in high regard. So to see a short film made specifically for the album kind of getting to the mind of baby keem and why he came up with specific tracks I think that's great as they describe it as a journey through baby keem's thoughts and then of course this co-stars from Amanda Stilberg, Shakira, Janai Payne, Francis Lovehall, and Serena Psy. Baby Keem is also the executive producer along with the one and only Kendrick Lamar. Boy, don't he have his hand don't he have his hands in all the pots? I remember side tangent, but I have to say this. I remember when K Dot went out his way to go on a Dreamville soundtrack that wasn't even about his label. It was J. Cole's label, right? With J.I.D. Lou, all down. Well, is J.I.D. Lou? I think so. Yeah, they were Dreamville. So, anyways, Kendrick was joining their soundtrack, right? But the only thing he added Uh, I I kid you not the only thing he added to the soundtrack was I came here for some money now as a label I would feel so disrespectful so disrespected that my not even top op but top competitor from another label came over here off of their request probably because Kendrick don't just pop up for no reason they probably asked Kendrick pop up Kendrick came went into the studio and
3: said I came here for some money what in the world like you know the type of disrespect you have to you have to
2: have in your heart to go into the studio off of their request just to say i came here for some money and then leave with no ad-lib no feature no verse nothing that was top tier disrespectful i forget what actual track it was but if you go to a dreamville compilation it's like the only one with kendrick on it i don't even know if he's listed as a feature actually i think that's what made it worse he's i think he's actually listed as a feature it's the one with the baby on i believe anyways um y'all can find it so with that being said (laughs) let's get back into the actual uh topic my bad i just had to go on that sign tangent. so anyways executive produced by kendrick lamar and dave free um the unreleased music is included in this short film once again on amazon prime it's not an ad i'm just letting you know songs like rock me torch white laces featuring james blake and um already told you about the Melodic Blues, so you already know what that is. Of course, it had a lot of high-level features, and the Deluxe later came with more additional high-level features as far as Lil Uzi Vert and the Pink Panthers. So with that being said, of course, he's respected amongst his peers, and the next time he puts out a body of work, I just know it's going to be top tier as he really is pulling his Kendrick Lamar in the way he's releasing these albums like kendrick and baby keem is like the modern day rock star for all my gamers out there they take three to four years at the minimum to release their next project and i'll be like man is baby keem and kendrick making the video game or are they making music y'all make it make sense to me baby keem and, and, and kendrick act like they out here directing movie movies the way they putting out these uh one hour 40 plus minute projects now i know that's a little hate but i had to play devil's advocate. So, anyways grammy nominations of course baby Keem's collaboration with kendrick lamar the hillbillies earned a grammy nomination for best rap performance which don't ask me how it happened <laughs> i guess uh the power of kendrick right the melodic blue peaked at number five on the billboard 200 and the RIAA certified the album as platinum in august 2023 now with that being said it's basically it i mean people are looking at the short film and it's received some positive reviews i'm no film critic no movie tv show critic really i only watch superhero stuff so i want to take my opinion seriously when it comes to uh anything you know film related Let's go to beyond the trailer or grace randolph if you want that type of uh insightful breakdown or uh J- jeremy johns that's another one so Anyways, enough of the shout outs. Click my my link tree in my bio. Let me know one of my social medias. What do you think about Baby Keem releasing his short film for The Melodic Blue? And will you be giving it a watch on Amazon Prime Video? After more than two decades of E3... each one bigger than the last. The time has come to say goodbye. Thanks for the memories. sad day in history you know if you don't know what i'm referring to if you don't know what the segment is over if you don't know why the sad music is playing it's because electronic entertainment expo aka e3 is officially dead Marking the end of an era, of course, for the gaming industry's biggest convention. Now, of course, in the new evolution of internet, new competitors partner with draws, with Nintendo being the first, might add. As far as the big three Nintendo xbox and playstation nintendo was the first to leave e3 and go their own way so blame them of course pandemic can never forget the impact that shutting down the whole world had the collapse following years of attempts to revive the event with the last in-person conference held in 2019, online video news conferences and individual showcases have become exponential, meaning that there's so many different outlets that there was no more use utility wise for E3. so while to all my hardcore gamers out there this closure may end one book just know that there are more chapters to come all right that's all i got so (laughs) so anyway that was my dramatic um Soliloquy. Well, that wasn't a soliloquy because I had a beat in the background. But yeah, you get what I'm saying, right? Cover the whole thing. Um, that's basically it. E3 is dead. It's been dead for a while. Like I said, the last in-person conference held in 2019. And uh if you're watching the analytic dreams video on Spotify right now for the video and audio, I don't know what that is up on my screen. That's very insensitive, but hey, somebody gotta do it, man. Pay your respects to E3 while we have the tombstone up. But anyways, um something else I was wanting to get into oh because of this being the end of E3 I thought I may take it upon myself as a true gamer to talk about some of the biggest highlights ever for E3 right and why it blew up in the first place if y'all don't know or if y'all not familiar 2001 God mode if you don't know about that it's okay because I was just born too right um bullfrog founder Peter I can't say that last name over the top presentation of black and white's God mode feature where players could literally control the weather and smite villagers with lightning became infamous for its outlandish promises and trademark hyper hyperbole. Oh, that's hyperbole. I almost said hyperbole. I'm pretty sure that's hyperbole, right? Anyways, dance, dance, crave revolution was another thing that blew up as had attendees lining up for hours just to bust a move on the colorful dance mats. Y'all remember the time when people actually used to go outside, go to the arcades and have a little fun, you know, be a little active nowadays. <laughs> let me just chill. So <laughs> anyways, um, some of the biggest moments in E3, of course, is Keanu Reeves. Nobody can forget that. I mean, I'm playing cyberpunk myself this year and I feel like, the announcement back in 2019 still applies to this day because that game is fantastic now in this finished state back then not so much but anyways keanu reeves went on stage kind of showcasing the importance of e3 as his presentation of cyberpunk 2077 took a lot of people back as most of the prominent actors never really put gaming on the forefront in this magnitude so now you see like timothy shout uh I forget his name but the the actor that was that's willy wonka right um you see more prominent actors like dang what's his name uh anthony something it's on the tip of my tongue pause but anyways the the black captain america right he's showing up now basically a lot of prominent actors are now giving gaming it's credit it deserves right and keanu reeves was more of the first to come out shut down the conference with his uh presence on stage and it was really an unforgettable moment and then another thing of course <laughs> this is the last thing i wanted to touch on was the surprise of the let's play era right e3 2010 saw the rise of a new phenomenon let's play and one of those things was personalities like pewdiepie uh cn CNanners. Captivating audiences with live commentary and reactions to E3's biggest announcements, blurring the line between traditional media coverage and fan engagement. If y'all don't know, the internet is not that old. So, a lot of things we're experiencing is very, very new. Like, very, like, internet. I think the iPhone came out and before, no, 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 after I was born. So, with that being said, like, the internet's not that, uh, obviously, the internet's been around, but what it is today is it hasn't been like that for a while. And I had to do a whole like deep dive to find out when it exactly evolved into what it is today. But it's it's really been like a decade, maybe decade and a half, to where the internet's at like this uh this advance as far as like actually being useful. But anyways, I know a lot of people are gonna get bored if I go into the you know logistics of internet and things of that nature. So that being said, um, I'm not really surprised, Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, all have their own conferences, literally called like direct to, well not, like something direct, basically saying how they can get directly to the consumer to advertise the product, right? So why do you need E3 anymore? The internet did away with the use of E3. So with that being said, E3, while it's gone, it will never be forgotten. And all my gamers press, what what did they say? Press F to pay respects with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know one of my social medias. What do you think about the death of Electronic Entertainment Expo? And what was your favorite moment from watching or if you attended, attending E3? Now, before we get into the actual topic with Activision, I just want to let y'all know that leaks are not cool, right? There's a reason why as a gaming coverer, I'm not covering certain leaks when it comes to Insomniac. But what I will say is that the current perception on PlayStation versus Xbox is kind of jaded because of the exclusive characters that's all out front as far as the pillars of the PlayStation exclusives, whether it's Kratos, whether it's uh, the girl from, uh, I forgot her name anyways forbidden west whoever uh, forbidden horizon one of them that main character spider-man and then you have the last of us right and ellie so with that being said activision has had a lot of things happen to it which we're gonna cover now but them being bought out by xbox has caused certain concerns in the playstation fandom now why am i saying that right because they found themselves in even more deep water as they agreed to pay out $54 million to settle a workplace discrimination lawsuit brought by California's Silver Rights Department in 2021. And basically, the lawsuit alleged gender discrimination, pay inequities, and a culture of sexual harassment at the gaming company. And so when they settle with this big of an amount, You would have to think they had some sort of
3: evidence to go along with their claims as Activision settled. So with them settling,
2: they have not admitted guilt because it's not what a settlement is technically. But them facing this uh, backlash right after being acquired by Microsoft is very interesting. And... The way that Activision came out to express dedication to implementing the new obligations and addressing issues of gender-based harassment and pay disparity is very reactive, if that makes sense. Hopefully, they actually put actions uh, upon those worries instead of just talking. Because if you don't know, the key points are basically Activision Blizzard paying $54 million. But the bigger deal... It is active well Activision being acquired by Xbox because Xbox gave a tremendous bag to active uh, to Activision to join the Xbox exclusive club. And not exclusive, but you know certain titles that Activision makes is probably going to be exclusive, just like every other um gaming company that Microsoft has acquired. Like at this point that's why I started the segment off with the leaks and things of that nature because I'm not going to give credence to the leakers, but what I will say is the take that PlayStation is very intimidated by Microsoft's ac- ac- um, acquisitions is very true. And the Game Pass is the future of gaming that's basically what I'm gonna say. Game Pass is right now looking to be the Netflix of gaming when everybody is still out here buying cable when it in terms of buying $70 full price games, right? Activision is helping the overall play of Xbox eventually going console less meaning everything is off of the cloud if you don't know if you use game pass you literally can try out games without downloading it if you never tried the game pass it's one of the greatest i'm not gonna say inventions because things like a xbox or things like a, a free to play section on the game hub does exist but as far as the game pass being the subscription field with games you actually want to play or want to play at a at a subscription price is very interesting i mean the rockstar ceo literally came out and said that he hopes that they can implement some sort of subscription-based payment in gta which they probably will but i'm just letting you know i'm just getting you a heads up so if one single game is already thinking about doing that they're they are realizing the value of well the value that their game can have which is why the Game Pass is so important because it gives you that it gives the consumer that value per subscription. It's not really individual game based. It's basically a whole hub of free games that you get to play at the price of a regular subscription, you know, or a monthly subscription or yearly or whatever your plan is. But basically I say all that to say this. The biggest thing is that you you kind of have to add context in this whole settlement because i'm not saying that they're only accusing activision of workplace discrimination simply because of them being acquired by microsoft for 69 billion maybe they saw that and it was like hey now i gotta come out with my critique because i need my cut of this bag i think they had some sort of ground to stand on or else activision would have settled you know also activision blizzard is known for games like call of duty world of Warcraft, and now they are acquired by microsoft that's why the whole sony versus xbox is very convoluted because when it comes to five ten years down the road microsoft looks like is in a way is a much more pristine position versus sony So that's all I'm going to say, because I don't want to give any leaks, any credence, but I do want to talk about the overall landscape of the gaming console battle. So the biggest thing, which is what this segment is over, is that workplace discrimination is obviously not a thing you should have whenever trying to appease uh, or trying to please multiple people, because when you come into the workplace being discriminated upon, to only make your life even more stressful and and not in a fair matter unfairly more stressful if that makes sense and apparently they're taking steps quote unquote for recruitment and retention and outline in its 2020 i don't know have taken proactive steps for recruitment and retention as outlined in their 2022 environmental social and governance report so with that being said apparently activision is going to do something after settling which is only good to hear for people who was actually discriminated upon to see they're going to place actions with the words but only time would tell because at the end of the day that is why they got themselves in this in this situation in the first place. So hopefully they end up actually doing right by their words and statements. So with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Activision Blizzard having to pay or agreeing to pay $54 million to settle a workplace discrimination lawsuit? And what is
3: your bigger biggest takeaway from it? <laughs> You know, peer pressure is one thing, but the pressure from the Internet
2: is a whole nother. I mean, you could be the CEO of one of the most successful gaming publishing companies of all time and still have to clarify comments because of your words being misinterpreted, not theirs, but yours being misinterpreted into something that now it has blown up bigger than they even thought it was going to be in the first place. Now, what am I talking about with this segment, right? Take two CEO Strauss Zelnick, I believe is how you say his name, has clarified some statements because the internet has been putting that pressure on him, right? I would say deservedly so, but when you read further into his clarifying statements It makes sense and it makes you wonder why people took his words like that in the first place. As Strauss Zelnick said that he didn't suggest games be priced at a dollar per hour because that was the whole controversy. People were saying that he was implying that games should be priced per hour and with GTA on the horizon set to come out early 2025. A lot of gamers heard that statement and quickly became triggered because guess what? You're not going to take one of the most anticipated games of all time and implement one of the most aggressive
3: systems as far as generating revenue in the detriment of our pockets,
2: right? Obviously, free-to-play games like Fortnite gets away with certain things being from the shop and, and certain microtransactions being expensive, because guess what? And certain Game Pass being uh, subscription-based, because guess what? The game is free. But in the gaming industry, if something is priced at $70, <laughs> we shouldn't have to pay $15 here, $15 there, just to get a extra character. I'm talking to you, Midnight Suns. There's a reason why I ain't finished that game. But that's another discussion for another point. So... People give you a product, and at its full price, you pay at least seventy for the next gen, right? But now people want to put Game Pass into it. People want to put a DLC that should have been in the game. So it's so much stuff adding up to get to a price that I think Strauss is talking about—that a priced doll at a price per hour is just insanity, right? So basically, he clarified his statements because everybody came at his uh, neck for it, and it was like, hey. We're not going to stand for this, right? (laughs) So he came out and clarified his statements basically saying that he values entertainment, of course, and says that the value of it. Well, no, no. So basically, he said the value of entertainment is determined by the expected usage calculated as the per hour value multiplied by the expected hour. Plus terminal value. So basically, the $70 pricing cap led to a post-launch monetization strategy, and games like GTA Online generating substantial revenue through microtransactions. So he is saying that he believes games offer a good enough value considering the length, pause, and depth of the experience. Another pause challenging the notion of pricing games by the hour so that's him clarifying his statements about the uh, dollar per hour comment right and then we got into going well and then we got into going that's that's not even the sentence <laughs> anyways um and then he explored he expounded further saying the correlation between gameplay hours and perceived value highlighting that longer quality games tend to perform well in sales man you telling me high quality games is well received by his consumer could have fooled me that's crazy in what world would he have thought the opposite <laughs> is he throwing is he trying to throw shots at somebody i don't know but anyways obviously gta should know that if you put out a quality game you will get your return in revenue because um gta is one of the most successful games of all time but anyways economic factors including the rise of consumer prices and the popularity of alternate entertainment options impact how gamers perceive the value of a premium price video game so zelnik's perspective was focusing on the importance of recognizing the value of longer form entertainment when consumers are conscious of their spending habits so that's where the whole price dollar per hour came about. He was basically just talking about the different ways that consumers are price, uh, conscious about their spending habits. And he just really wanted to emphasize certain things that the algorithm expects from the entertainment usage and showcases how the $70 price tag is uh, an interesting one. So he wasn't suggesting that we use it. He was just bringing up how based on the algorithm and the entertainment usage, the price should be this. And that's all he was pointing at. He wasn't like saying, oh, we're going to do it. He's basically bringing up different metrics. And as somebody who calls myself analytic dreams, I can respect somebody looking at the analytics in a certain way and saying, hey, this is what it's saying, but we're offering this. So that means we should get this out of it. But for him, it was just purely a litmus uh litmus scale. Is that how you say it? To compare to what their current model is in the correlation. So, anyways, at the end of the day, he emphasized the importance of recognizing the value of longer form entertainment, which I already said. So that's it. <laughs> so that's the whole gist of the situation. That's how he cleared it up. I don't know if that was confusing for some. But for me, I think it makes sense. He was basically just bringing that up as an example on how the algorithm sees it. But it was never an offering of how they're going to price their games. So with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Take-Two Interactive CEO Strauss Zelnick? coming out and clarifying his statements about games being priced at dollar per hour and what are your takeaways about it about his
3: comments talk about a battle of the ages elon musk disney warner bros sony universal can't we all just get along I mean, why you have to go and suspend your ads on X
2: slash Twitter? Honestly, if I'm not covering news, I'm referring to X as Twitter. But to be properly or to be proper and correct, I have to say X, right? Formerly known as Twitter. Elon Musk, for some reason, has managed to trigger the biggest companies in the world. I don't know what he's done. But if you're looking at my Spotify analytic dreams video for the, uh, on Spotify for the video and audio, you can see that he has a tendency to post some things to make people upset. He posted his meme right here on his platform, of course, X and said, here I am the richest man in the world. Philosemite. I don't even know how to say, I don't even know what that is. Climate crusader. And I still get s-h-i-t from idiots this is a pg podcast so i just spelled it out so hopefully you can put two and two together you know what i'm saying and elon musk also said why in the world is disney boycotting x yet spending millions on other platforms and then he showed a chart where typical political fashion we don't know where in the world he got these numbers but a, it's a chart that's supporting his point.
3: <laughs>
2: that's the one thing I love about politics. People will say something and they put up a random chart just showcasing their
3: point with no sources to back it. Because the source is literally Generation Lab.
2: Where is the Generation Lab? What type of uh, credence does it have? Is it some type of actual reputable source? obviously this isn't this isn't an anti-elon so let me not make it one-sided right let me make it a, a little fair so getting into elon of course the biggest thing about this segment or just about this topic in general is that disney warner bros sony paramount paramount pictures universal pictures and lionsgate have stopped
3: posting on x slash twitter because trying to find why oh because of elon musk
2: anti-semitic post on november 16th that triggered the boycott so that being said elon's response was very braggadocious of course because it's elon he basically said well he just showed the chart that i just showed you right here so here's the chart and that was um comparing anti-semitic content on x compared to the other platforms but the difference is The owners aren't really putting out anti-Semitic stuff, uh, to my knowledge, and Elon Musk supposedly did, according to Disney and all the other big companies. But he said that, defended his uh, tweet, and Disney uh, Bob Iger, the CEO, came out to explain the rationale behind suspending ads, citing Musk's public position. So that's crazy. I didn't even read that and already said probably why they are taking the sense they are because of the owner of TikTok or Instagram came out and did that. I think it's a little different than one of the users posting something like that. I mean, it's still offensive, but if the owner comes out and says something like that, then it's, you have to look at it a little different because that's the owner of the media platform. So major companies such as Disney. Paramount. I'm not going over the companies again. Y'all get it right. Disney and the big dogs and Warner (laughs) have suspended their posts. Elon Musk' anti-Semitic remarks and ad placement issues led to the companies distancing themselves. Um, The ad placement issues is interesting. I think Elon Musk is doing a great job on keeping bots out of his platform. That's the one critique or one positive I will give him. I think he is getting Twitter into a place where you literally. Will have to be able to pay money and showcase your verified account to use it. And to me, I think it's interesting because then you're getting into the Patreon type of uh platform where you're literally paying to post comments and things of that nature and videos and pictures. But the way Elon Musk is saying it, it was is is telling it and explaining it. He's trying to say that it's to get bots off of the platform. Which if he's effectively getting bots off of the platform, but making Twitter a place where you have to basically pay to play is it a fair ground as far as a give and take from the consumer so that's that's the spot we're at right now and that's the rock and the hard place that we're gonna have to find ourselves into well find ourselves in so what else government and international connections is that joe biden of course administration condemned elon musk is anti-semitic remarks because once again i know you're seeing the chart right here but if the owner of tiktok and instagram came out with some type of anti-semitic remarks they probably would have did the same thing because just hopefully y'all did not forget that the government literally tried to clap the whole platform of tiktok for no reason and then now they're letting it rock because they couldn't they couldn't do anything um via the law you know they try to go through the law to get clapped but hey tick tock is still here to this day so with that being said um when the government steps in it's pretty serious when disney steps out um you could probably suggest or guess that elon musk is under a lot of scrutiny when it comes to this uh particular topic and if you want to know his up-to-date whereabouts i mean he visited israel toward this destruction with uh israel israelian i don't know i say that <laughs> it's i-s-r-a-e-l-i is israeli oh israeli right my fault i can't read prime minister benjamin now nah, that last name so i'm serious but anyways They had an extended meeting on the security of artificial intelligence, and with that being said, that's basically it for the um, up-to-date news. Disney and all of them are still boycotting. If you want me to go over the brands again, of course I will. It's Disney, Warner Bros., Sony, Paramount, Universal Pictures, and Lionsgate have largely stopped posting on X slash Twitter, and they said the last post ranged from November 16th to like November 23rd, so... Um, that's what they mean by largely stopping posting, but anyways, um, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know in one of my social medias. What do you think about this Elon versus Disney and all the other big conglomerates in the world? And who do you think will come out on top with this whole anti-Semitic
3: battle and the battle of ads
2: when it comes to Elon versus the large companies? when it comes to ai of course this year has seen the biggest evolution and jump as far as where it was in the previous year so i would say there's so much opportunity and things to be implemented in the near future when it comes to gaming and hip-hop via the evolution of ai i mean Google, which is what this segment is basically covering, is one of the biggest conglomerates in the world, right? And they're basically saying that the ad sales is expected to have a major reorganization simply because of Google uh, increasingly using uh, AI to sell ads. So the biggest thing with that is that AI, with the evolution, can now suggest and create ads and driving tens of billions of dollars in new revenue already extremely high margin too i mean i know y'all seen that party party commercial with progressive if y'all don't think if y'all think the heads of progressive came up with that themselves whoever's at the pr department i'm not trying to cast any aspersions on you but let's just say they may have had a little help in the trending topic section of AI to help out with what is everybody talking about when it comes to party party right, <laughs> which I'm getting to that at the end of the episode, so stick around for that. But anyways, um, the reason why AI is such a big deal is because it helps. Uh, I mean, I basically just sent it, uh, said it, tens of billions of dollars based off letting AI suggest and create ads for revenue. So, what does that tell me? That tells me that evolution or AI is trying to take over entirely google has already had a fake ai demo yes let me say that again google's fake gemini ai demo is expected to become a reality featuring us a pixie a pixie ai assistant so basically pixel 9 might and take this with a grain of salt it might introduce a personalized ai experience leveraging data from google apps like gmail and maps and also pixie could perform complex tasks such as suggesting directions based on photographed products and debuting and may debut with the pixel 9. this is all alleged rumors but the one thing is certain or for certain a lot of outlets and a lot of reports are saying this. So I'm like, whether well, smoke has to be fired, which is why I'm covering it. So Google is exploring the use of Gemini AI on smart glasses, potentially recognizing objects and providing guidance. If that don't sound like some Iron Man 2.0 type beat, I don't know what is. I mean, literally. Imagine being like Tony Stark and... Infinity War, when they first pulled up to Earth and he had to put a suit on, like right there, like basically you have all that power hidden because nobody sees that you've been holding that technology the whole time. That's basically what I'm getting when I'm looking at this type of evolution and technology. Because to have smart glasses pick out photographic images and, and recognize them and then give you guidance. If it's what I think it is, which you know, I'm not. I'm gonna try not to get my hopes up too much, because of course it could come out and then not be anything that I was thinking. But I'm thinking of some Tony Stark like stuff popping up, like, hey, don't go this way because it's got a crack, or go that way because this this is reinforced. I mean, obviously that's a little extreme, but you know what I mean. Like basically giving me assistance in real time. So, with that being said, Google is always putting money into certain products, but as far as the supporting them over time usually i see if they're gonna cut a product or they're gonna keep supporting it because it's google throws out a lot of ideas and the ones that stick they put money behind but the ones that don't and there have been some that haven't i forget the latest one but it was something that google did that did not hit i think it was the vr i think google tried to get into gaming vr and it failed or something like that it was like icloud something like that i forget what it was called but anyways they throw out products and ideas and either they flop hor- uh horrendously <laughs> or they succeed and they put money behind it so ai is one of those that ha- one of those that have succeeded as you can see with ai being able to uh generate even more ad revenue based off them suggesting and creating the ads themselves so with that being um the case i think a lot of people are going to start following in google's first steps as this is a reason why google apple and are some of the biggest companies in history so with that being said click my link to my bio let me know on one of my social medias do you think google is going to take over the game with their evolution or their future plans with ai and also What do you think are the biggest implementations we could see with AI when it comes to video games and hip hop? Seems like Brotherly Love, a.k.a. P. Diddy, took Bad Boy Entertainment too literally. As some of the things he was doing consist of bad boy activity. Let's just leave it like that. There's a lot of allegations, a lot of rumors, but what we do know for certain is that Diddy settled with Cassie after Cassie filed a lot of sexual allegation, sexual assault lawsuits that led to the settlement by P. Diddy. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because we're not Rehashing that whole situation with him and and Cassie, because technically Diddy didn't want any more stories coming out from Cassie, which is why he settled so quickly. If you don't know in the in the midst of a twenty four hour span, that man got that settlement tour, and now we don't hear any other word from Cassie. I wonder why that is, but that's besides the point as the biggest reason for this segment is showcasing the power. Of cancellation people say cancel culture isn't real until 18 companies start to cut ties with you and that's exactly what's happening in the case of p diddy because if you don't know empower global which is uh um, p diddy's e com- e-commerce platform has been severed when it comes to a lot of different companies all the way up to 18 now we can't list them all because there's a lot of companies i ain't gonna lie to you. you may have to look it up for yourself and even before this delion cut ties with diddy basically saying his aggressive uh, tactics to get them to put more money behind his marketing promotions was a uh, reason to terminate his contract so I reported on that. If you look up Diddy Analytic Dreams, it should pop up as far as the De Leon segment I did. But that was a huge deal in itself. Honestly, De Leon combined with Cassie in one year, talk about Kanye, talk about Kanye West-esque as far as throwing away the bag. Like the amount of revenue Diddy had coming in compared to the start of 2023 is exponentially different as <laughs> this man is going through a lot and can't really say he didn't bring it upon himself but also you got to be careful cuz all of this is alleged and only thing we could really comment on is things that has happened in the court of law which in the court of law which is the settlement that Diddy had with uh Cassie so anyways Diddy is also facing other sexual abuse lawsuits with the latest involving... Well, I'm not going to say latest because we're just going to let that play out in the court of law, like I said. And Diddy and his former Bad Boy... uh, Bad Boy's president, Harvey Pierre, denied the allegations, of course, with Diddy expressing his intent to defend himself. And let's just say I have an actual post from Diddy as far as his Instagram if you go to his Instagram obviously he's not promoting at all his thing his latest two posts was a PR type stunt and then another PR type stunt with him I'll let you decipher that let's just say P Diddy is definitely one of those where I think there's a reason why a lot of powerful hip-hop heads or talking heads are not really wanting to expound upon Diddy's uh bad boy entertainment quote-unquote so anyways diddy came out amidst all the allegations and brands pulling out um you know allegations of sexual assault brands pulling out because of the sexual assault allegations um critical sources coming out such as his ex bodyguard talking to people about the whole sexual allegations um to the point where Diddy came out and said, Quote, enough is enough. For the last couple of weeks, I have sat silently and watched people try to assassinate my character, destroy my reputation and my legacy. Stickening allegations have been made
3: against me by individuals looking for a quick payday sent uh
2: period I almost a sentence hold up before I get into the lasting seg- uh sentiments of of this very direct quote by Diddy you know we have to get some uh let me see give me give me one second
3: because we gotta do this right you know what I'm saying I don't think y'all realize I don't think y'all realize um, the type of impact that Diddy has
2: people talk about Sugar Knight let's just say Diddy may be on on a level in a level of his own well on a level of his own of course so gotta do it right you know what I'm saying alright so let's get back to it I'm just gonna reiterate his statement Enough is enough. For the last couple of weeks, I have sat silently and watched people try to assassinate my character, destroy my reputation and my legacy. Thickening allegations have been made against me by individuals looking for a quick payday. Mm -mm -mm. Let me be absolutely clear. I did not do any of the awful things being alleged I will fight for my name my family and for the truth signed Sean Diddy Combs all right that's how I imagine Diddy typing out his uh, little threatening PR statement as the villain music played in the background. But anyways, of course, it's a whole serious um, scenario. But of course, his people are taking it serious as they've started to pull out over. Out of over 160 brands on the platform, nine have stated they are staying with one Defending Diddy. So they we're talking about his e-merse. Um, let me see if I get this right again. His e-commerce platform. Empire Global. Out of all the 160 ties. To brands. Before these
3: allegations. There are only nine left. With one. Defending Diddy. To add insult to injury. Yeti temporarily temporarily stepped away from Revolt, well, stepped stepped
2: down as chairman of Revolt, the hip-hop TV network he co-founded amidst the allegations. So, safe to say that he's got to take some time. And
3: as he coined the phrase, take that, take that. Because at the end of the day, he's just going to have to take it in stride and go away for some time. So anyways, click my link tree
2: in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Diddy and his uh, plethora of sexual assault allegations? And also, what do you feel about 18 companies cutting ties, but also out of all the 160 brands on the platform, non-staying and... um. Allegiance with Diddy. How do you feel about that? And what is your overall takeaway from this whole situation?
3: Onika Tanya Mirage. The first woman in history. So that means ever on planet Earth to earn 50 top 10 hits on Billboard Hot Rap songs chart also
2: all three versions of pink friday 2 is
3: currently charting in the top 10 on us amazon's best sellers albums chart not only is she dominating the secular space
2: but switching gears over into the gospel arena Nicki Minaj, Blessings, off of Pink Friday 2, debuted at number one on the Hot Gospel Songs chart. And the feature on that specific track, who goes by Tasha Combs, also extended her record as the female soloist with the most number ones in chart history.
3: Now calling myself analytic dreams of course we have to analyze the numbers and you don't need
2: me to tell you these are some dream like accomplishments in analytics Nicki Minaj Pink Friday 2 has to be one of the best hip hop albums I've ever listened to Now if you heard my album reviews in the past
3: they go in a certain direction of me saying this is good for this year.
2: This is probably some of the best work I've heard in the past two to three months. But with this specific album, I titled the entire episode 132, greatest album of all time, question mark. Because obviously... Spoiler alert, I don't think it's the greatest album of all time, but I think it's such a great album to put that question and have some type of credence along with it as, of course, it's there for shock value, but it's also there to emphasize the fact that Pink Friday 2, I think, is one of my favorite albums that I've listened to in a long time. And not only is one of my favorite albums, I think it's Nicki Minaj's best album that she's ever put out. Because going through the charts is one thing. Going through your discography is a whole nother. As I don't know if y'all know, but Super Freaky Girl and Red Ruby the Sleaze is one of the best performing tracks of all time for Nicki Minaj. I mean, Super Freaky Girl is her most successful track of all time when you're talking about length and time
3: regards to gaining and earning a number one. So, titling this,
2: Pink Friday 2, Nicki already knew what she was doing when it came to putting out a great body of work. So, that being said, obviously, this marks her third number one album, which she she should have more, but we're not going to get into that. Let's just say Travis Scott was selling t-shirts, wasn't selling music, but that's besides the point. Third number one album, making her the female rapper with the most number one albums in Billboard history. If you don't know, Nicki Minaj with Super Freaky Girl was the first woman rapper since Lauryn Hill to have a solo number one hit in the rap category. Well, not rap, but basically the first rap woman artist to have a number one since Lauryn Hill. Like Out of all the genres in the world, the only one to put their track... At number one, being a woman rapper alone has been Lauryn Hill and Nicki Minaj. So that being said, you could already know where, or you could already assume where Pink Friday Two was going, right? So the album, throughout its throughout its first week, sold two hundred and twenty-eight thousand equivalent album units in the first week, including twenty-five thousand vinyl copies, and had a hundred and 69.87 million streams i know hey analytic dreams they don't call me that for no reason i'm actually looking at these numbers and trying to dissect them because uh you know they're changing <clears throat> so anyways uh pink friday 2 had the biggest sales week for a woman rapper in the 2020s and largest for an r&b slash hip-hop album by a woman this year so of course I'm throwing all those numbers at you to let you know what type of album we're about to get into because on the later on the other half of this the later half of this review, I'm going to give my straight personal music review of the album, of course. But right now, we're getting into analytics and some of the controversy that came along with the rollout. Pink Friday 2, of course, in its totality had 22 tracks. And had a lot of different samples from the likes of a Billie Eilish when the party's over to uh, junior, seniors, move your feet. So with that said, the world tour was, of course, going to be announced after those type of uh, numbers was achieved. As now, you really don't make money from people streaming your music. You make money from going to certain venues and having people put butts in seats getting babysitters getting dog sitters just to come and buy a hotel ticket maybe even a plane ticket to attend live at your performance that's usually where artists make most of the money from and also merch is additionally something that generates way more revenue for
3: them compared to just putting out music So with that being said. Getting back into Nicki Minaj. One of the things
2: for her live stream. or well not live stream. One of the things for her rollout. I got a little ahead of myself. Is and was the live stream. With the one and only Kaisenet. If you don't know about Kaisenet. Probably one of the more creative. Content creators I've ever seen in life. So with Nicki Minaj appearing on Kaisenet's twitch live stream made all the sense in the world because not only was she helping out a a fellow content creator and kai Sinat, but also his mom was there his sister was there very heartwarming type moment and that wasn't the only thing that happened as a lot of people praised it but (laughs) of course the only thing that went viral was this tweet right here let me see if I can find it right quick. So, Analytic Dreams video on my Spotify platform to see the video along with the audio. With that being said, let's get back into it. So, Elliot Wilson jumped out the blue. Jumped out for no reason. You know, Nicki Minaj is just trying to have a fantastic rollout for Pink Friday two, Jumping on Kai Sinesh stream, doing a video with Funny Marco, showing up wherever she can. Have an impact on as far as album sales and obviously she did with the number she just put up as i previously mentioned now you have elliot wilson an iconic legendary coverer of hip-hop jumping out the cut to say hip-hop journalism with a picture of kai sanat and Nicki minaj and since then the post has been deleted i was wondering why in the world can i not find this tweet because i like i knew it happened but i looked it up i couldn't find it nowhere i had to get off of another account because he obviously you see at the bottom he deleted it well i don't know if you can see hold on yeah now you can see at the bottom he deleted it so anyways um besides that fact if you wanted to be funny and petty elliot wilson could have literally Double down on it by saying that he basically just said this is hip-hop journalism and he should have added more context but of course he exposed himself as being a hater because technically this isn't hate hip-hop journalism you could be giving credit and kudos to Kaisenet basically letting him know that the way you're going about promoting this artist is the new hip-hop journalism because you're learning you're technically learning how That particular artist works in certain type of environments, if that makes sense. So, Nicki Minaj came came off as authentic as you could be in the whole entire live stream of Kaisenet. I would definitely suggest you watch Kaisenet having Nicki on his stream because that's one of the biggest moments, forget of his career, of hip-hop. Not to be dramatic, but these sit down. Let me edit the video after I give you this interview because I want to cut off the parts that don't make me look good. And now, via a perfect example, NBA Youngboy and million dollars worth of game. They went up to Grave Digger Mountain <laughs> to interview NBA Youngboy and mysteriously, that interview has not surfaced on the internet. I wonder why. I'm telling you, these artists do interviews, promise content to certain content creators, have them waste their time and money getting to your location, interviewing you, just for you to be like, oh, my team has to go over the video because we don't want so-and-so to go out, right? So now the video never gets released simply because you wanted control over what was put out to the public. So that is why I'm saying this is not only a moment in time, this is a moment in history for hip-hop because this is, in my recollection this is my first time seeing a artist of Nicki Minaj's caliber not no disrespect to a Yachty or Offset for a person of Nicki Minaj's caliber going into a situation where it's taped live nothing's going to be cut out because obviously it's live and anything can happen now she already knew that Kaisenette's mom and sister was going to come out but as far as his best friend, uh, Your Rage, and I don't know the other two guys that came, I don't know if she knew all about that. I think the only thing that she knew was that Kaisenet's mom and sister was going to be there because she had gifts for them. And even that was a special moment. As you can see right here, even though right here you can see Elliot Wilson saying hip-hop journalism, basically, after you... you we're going to cover him basically admitting that he was hating. Cause honestly, this type of tweet is not too condemning in itself. It's just like literally saying like, Oh, hip hop journalism, like, you know, the new age, it could could be taken so many ways. People just took that and basically made him expose himself on whether he was hating or not. Cause I feel like it could have went either way. So anyways, um, here's the moment where Kaisenet and Nikki are basically,
3: uh, well, Nikki's basically seeing, um kyson that's mom and sister i want to oh it's right here so basically he uh she tells her she tells kyson
2: to go get them right here i think
3: so, me and my, me and my, i'm gonna go get them and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna
2: get yeah right here so she already knew they was coming before she even came i'm glad that they're here and i'm glad i'm able to even do this, do this because this is fine mm-hmm. so i'm gonna go get them and i'm gonna get i'm gonna get rage so I'm going to get them first.
3: Okay. So in the meantime, if you want, you can talk to the chat. I'm to cha- talk to the chat. Yeah, channel. you can talk right. to
2: the chat. And you see how she's like authentically in a situation to where it's live, can't cut out anything. And you see Nikki, and she really looks like she does like in the music video. So at this point, it's like it's coming across in such a great way that. I don't even know if she thought it was going to turn out this good. Like, the lighting and everything. Let me just say, Kaysenet definitely got dubbed for that one. But let's get to the sentimental moment, of course, when he brought his uh, sister and mom. Hi
3: ma. Kaya, you coming?
2: And this moment right here, I think is why everybody went so hard on Elliot, because he was basically hating on this. This is my twin sister, Kaya. (laughs) No, (laughs) Kaya. She was crying and everything. Look, Kai, you know, it's very sentimental moment. All right, we ain't, gonna, we ain't gonna play it for too long, but y'all get the gist of it, right? And so for Elliot to come out, because that moment where they was dancing came out like later into the stream, as you see right here. Hold oh, on, that may have been kind of loud. My fault for y'all, y'all, uh, eardrums out there. So look. In this in this environment, you know, you never know what's gonna happen. But Nikki embraced it. And even though I don't think she knew how to do the dance, I mean she tried her best. Look, she tried her best. <laughs> she tried her best. So, anyways, um that wasn't a moment where he was hating on, but there was another moment where I thought it was hilarious. So apparently Nikki took it upon herself to put this picture up. And y'all just let me know what's going on right here, right? For my people who don't who are on the Analytic Dreams video, make sure to go to Analytic Dreams video on Spotify to see the video along with the audio. But y'all let me know what's happening right now and what this scenario is uh, saying to you. Y'all let me know what you think is happening because Nikki obviously knew what was happening. She posted on her IG as a funny moment. And um, as you can tell, the lighting's on point. And um, yeah. Y'all let me know what y'all think is uh, happening right here. So so, anyways, so that was a funny moment, right? Elliot comes out hating. And of course, let me tell you, the Barb's and Nikki did not spare him in the slightest. Nikki came out, basically had a Drake to Joe Budden moment. As she said, Elliot, if you spit Jay-Z out out for one second, you'd be able to be happy for the newcomers. Isn't that how y'all... Tried to tarnish my image by saying I'm not welcoming new expeditives in. There's songs with all of them though. Why are you not happy for a young black man like Kai? Tomorrow, expeditive. Now, of course, that's not where it stopped, right? Because the barbs jumped in as I knew they would, basically saying, well, doing barb activity as they went in. I kid you not, they went into Elliot Wilson's Wikipedia page. I mean, obviously you could change anybody's Wikipedia page, but for the bars to go in and do what they did to it, y'all got to look at this, right? They went into his Wikipedia page and look at this. Elliot Wilson, known for conducting crown interviews for Title, found himself in a web of controversy due to his association with Onika Tanya Mirage, better known as Nicki Minaj. As a curator of interviews for Title. Wilson's employment under the hip-hop queen drew attention when he constantly engaged in sub-tweets and like disparaging tweets aimed at Minaj. Boy, were they quick with the the edit fingers on Wikipedia. The barbs are something else. And it continues on saying, The fateful turn of events occurred on the night of December 14th following a successful jingle ball concert headlined by Minaj. In an unexpected twist, Nicki Minaj decided to address Wilson's actions during her live, sh- her Instagram live session, publicly confronting his attitude. The confrontation it evidently shattered Wilson's ego, ultimately leading to his tragic demise. Sound like some Stan Lee writing on a, a villain origin story like this is like his villain arc right here barbs is something else i'm not gonna lie to you that's actually insane so all that controversy with Nicki minaj responding with the bars responding as you can see changing his wikipedia page criticizing him um, about you know hating on a black man one but also just how sentimental that moment was between kai's mom and sister with Nicki. like that whole scenario of him just calling it um basically you know hating but um He came out again, of course, you know, had to backtrack as he didn't want the barbs on him. He couldn't take it no more. As this man said, I apologize to Kai Sinat plus his fam. I was out of line and let my competitive nature get the best of me. Kai carved his own lane in the game, built a great platform and deserves respect. Salute to the streamers and young creatives getting to the paper and pushing our culture forward. And of course, BDOT said too many apologies in 2023. I love how Elliot basically exposed himself for hating. Because I'm going to keep reiterating the fact that I think his tweet was not hate. It could be taken as hate. But also, it could be literally him admitting that Kai is the next new wave of hip-hop journalism. So, him taking this route exposes himself as being a hater <laughs> so basically he meant it in the latter to be derogatory so i'm glad he got out it like that because you should never even though elliot is an icon in itself his interview almost every legendary hip-hop artist maybe every like honestly i don't think people really realize elliot's weight in this hip-hop game as far as uh what he, or just his his accolades i don't think people think don't think people recognize his accolades in this hip-hop industry so elliot wilson is one of the best if not the best like hip-hop cover ever so that being said um he was definitely hating there so anyways Nicki minaj took to dj envy so i'm kind of doing a rendition of how i covered the drake album kind of getting to the rollout sales and controversy and then i'm gonna get to my personal review right so Nicki minaj went at dj envy because i don't know why she i actually don't know why she went at dj envy honestly that that uh, that really eludes me like i don't really let me see why what well, she was responding to this why can't we just be fans or you know it's not even fair treatment yeah i don't know why i think she's saying like dj envy's blackballing her or something like that and god will show y'all why you're y'all not good but i had this tweet up simply because nikki was going at dj envy but I honestly don't know why she's going at DJ Envy. I, I listened to like the latest review of Pink Friday 2 from The Breakfast Club, and DJ Envy was giving it up. He, I think he was even dancing to everybody or something like that. Like, I don't know if he was copping the plea because they basically brought up how Nikki, you know, was not in, you know, she, she ain't really feeling him like that. And so he basically brushed it off and said, like, he's the biggest Nikki fan. So at that point, like, what do you do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, hey, man said he's the biggest Nikki fan, start dancing to your music. I guess Nikki is just, uh, yelling yelling at this uh, i don't even know what she's yelling at, at this point so nikki and dj envy um on the dj envy side i guess it's squash but on the nikki side it's far from squash so she still has a bone to pick with dj envy i mean okay let me honestly dj envy gave a rendition of the track of, of the beef right i guess there was some underground dj nikki disrespected so envy wasn't going to play her music because of that that's basically what he said i don't have two sides to the story so it's hard to like cover the whole thing because this came out and i'm i don't know if that's based off of what dj envy said but now i have to put two and two together because it's like it's hard to cover beef when somebody accuses somebody of something that accuser responds but then we never get like the response to the response you know once we get the response to the response that's when it's like oh it's real beef so now i really don't know what the beef is dj envy said his stuff Nicki minaj obviously is just attacking him so hey at the end of the day Nicki minaj's reputation in the media definitely uh is is an interesting one let's just leave it at that
3: and um her being on top does not correlate with that with that um
2: reputation she has with the media so with that being said hey let's just get into the review because i don't know if the barbs understand what i just said but hey, to be on top and to not be
3: well perceived when it comes to to uh through the media's eyes because of your
2: attitude towards them and to still be on top is strictly crediting the barbs in my opinion i think nikki probably has top three best fan bases ever in entertainment and i mean like entertainment like i think if nikki went to act i think if she went into a video game i think if she went to go play sports even if she wasn't good at it if they made up a sport and had her the best at it i think her fan base could get her and whatever she attached herself to the top that's why i think Nicki minaj is barbs um ended up being on the barbie soundtrack which ended up being one of the biggest movies ever so Nicki Minaj was a big part of the soundtrack with her, Aqua, and Ice Spice. And that, tra- that track is still on the charts to this day. Like, honestly, with Super Freaky Girl, Red Ruby the Sleeves, Ice Princess Remix with Ice Spice, the Aqua, the Barbie track with uh, Ice Spice and Aqua, I think she could have put out an album next year, which is why I think that, this album came out later because you kind of want to give some room to breathe if you have one of your best performing tracks of all time which is why i think this track came which is why i think this album came out when it did because i think it got postponed correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure it got postponed so that being said of course the body of work was delivered to us in the year of 2023 so now let me get into my personal review after re after i reiterate That she is going on a world tour starting in oakland march 2024 covering north america until mid-may before transferring to europe so with that being said the music is now in our possession and that means it's time for another analytic dreams review of course and obviously it's not going to be a long one as i've already talked about a lot of tracks on this album but I'm going to give you my honest review of this album. And I kind of don't want to spoil it because I have a top five albums and top 10 tracks and all that good stuff. Let's just say Pink Friday 2 is on there. Let's just say that. All right. And then I'm not going to say the place. And with that, let's get into my review. So, obviously, right, the album just came out. There's a Gag City Deluxe. So I'm strictly going to talk about Pink Friday 2, which came out under Republic Records, a division of Universal Music Group Recordings, which Universal Music Group Recordings is one of the biggest labels, probably the biggest, like is the big dog when it comes to labels in the music industry. And not probably it is. I don't even know why I misspoke. Universal Music Group, any artist on that label is not to be messed with. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) So anyways, uh, this album, Comes in at an hour, an hour and 10 minutes, 22 tracks, and was given to us December 8th, 2023. Now, let's get into album. Track one, Are You Gone Already, really gave me the vibe that Nikki was going to give us more of an R&B album. Boy, was I wrong. Obviously, she gave us a lot of different. She really diversified the palette of Pink Friday 2. When I heard the first track, I felt like we was going in a more soft R&B direction. But obviously that track, you know, I, I like the track, but I was just already uh, summarizing in my head what, what I was going about the uh, experience. So <clears throat> going from Are You Gone Already, which is a heartfelt, slowed down track, very fire, tremendous start to her album, right? Track number two. Barbie Dangerous shows me or told me that she's going to have a very diverse palette on this album. You go from Are You Guy Already to Barbie Dangerous is a very change, um, very distinct change in the tempo. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. And Barbie Dangerous, straight fire. Um, if I get into the bars, like Nikki's one of those where you really have to get into the bars. So let me let me not be disrespectful and bring up one of the best rappers of all time. Uh, versus as let me just pick a random one uh chanel bags they still swinging old hits they still swinging they love the flow they still streaming like that one was kind of crazy like i think she was really talking about um how long she's been around and things of that nature and then she also goes into but it's kill season you apologize but it's still treason i have a inkling an inclination on who's that uh, on who is uh targeted with that bar, but we're not gonna we're not gonna reach right now. Got them streaming, got them steaming like dry cleaning. I'm glad she gave a better dry cleaning bar than Drake because I'm not gonna lie, that man said he had his ex well, no, his uh um, promiscuous women hanging and leave them out to dry. Like, they uh dry cleaning something like that. I, it wasn't a good bar compared to this one. Got them steaming, like, dry cleaning. Moving on, my timing. And ain't, ain't no demon. Queen of this rap. expert of bohemian. Stuff like that. You know, like, Nicki's, like, one of the best when it comes to rapping. And she's in my top ten, if you had to know. Top ten rappers of all time. Like, Nicki's in there. So, and she's the only woman in there. But, I mean, I don't even know why I said that. But just to let y'all know, like, Nicki not to be compared to only women like she's better than basically everybody in the game right now <laughs> so anyways um <clears throat> of course had to keep that tempo up from barbie Dangerous, and that's where we get ftcu now i'm just gonna let you figure out what that stands for as if you really think that Nicki minaj can't put out a club banger in 2023 because her flow is ancient ftcu is one of those where literally those words are applicable to their response she gave out a great club anthem with this track and one that i'm not even gonna lie i don't even know if i thought she had it in her because technically the way that nikki raps over certain beats i didn't think she would go for this type beat it's especially this early into the album which made me realize that this Is going to be a different offering from Nicki. It's straight modern with a mix of Pink Friday, which I think it was going to be more old timey type beats, like Boom Bap, with her rapping type beats. But this was more like club anthems. You could see this going off in every single establishment. Let's just leave it at that. Also, that goes into track number four, Beat Beat, which which is keeping the tempo of an RPM of this certain type of feeling and vibe that she's going with. She's going with a very hard hitting rapping club banger type of vibe. Barbie dangerous into FTCU and to beep. Beep. All those are high. Te- uh, yeah. High tempo are in RPM and BPM trying to, you know, get you into a certain rhythm rhythmic uh, pattern. As far as these three tracks. And that is why, well, when I first listened to this album, that was my favorite track, just off first listen, because of course, like, it's just like a, it jumps out at you. Like, it's a really short track, and there's a reason for that, because later, when I talked about Gag City, she's bringing other people as far as remixes onto her tracks, because simply, simply put, she wanted to have DLC type releases for the album. So now she has Gag City, and Beat Beat was a, the first addition to the album as she put 50 cent as a feature. Cause I was wondering, I was like, that track is surprisingly short. Like that's such a great beat, great flow. She was going with, I, if you can't think of another verse, you have to get somebody else. And so I think that's what she did with 50 cent. And she was tweeting him before she even, before he even put out his version of his verse on gag city. So I don't know if he was basically not, um, finishing his verse like i don't know if he didn't finish his verse because nikki was still tweeting him like hey please finish your verse like she ain't tweet him like multiple times but she did it once to make me realize like hey it's kind of close to gag city like what you mean finish your verse like we was like three days out for the first edition of gag city and i was like uh it kind of sounds like it like i'm not gonna say 50 cent had a bad verse but you know, if the original version came on instead of the longer version with 50 Cent, I wouldn't be mad. And I think that's literally because 50 Cent's making TV shows and really doesn't have time to rap. Like, it sounded like it was his first or second take. Like, it didn't sound like he had too many takes with that verse. But The Bars was cool. It was just a delivery. It was a little off when it came to a 50 Cent-type delivery. Like, listen to a 50 Cent off a Pop Smoke album, that was a 50 Cent-type delivery. This one felt like he was just trying to... um uh keep his promise with Nicki by putting in or turning in his verse and then it just ended up sounding like that like i just feel like he didn't have enough takes but anyways let me stop copying him please let's just say that beep beep is still one of my favorite tracks off of the album track number five bpm rpm everything slows down more of a and b type track in touch with your feelings type track reflection type track it's a it's, uh, overall solid and probably one of the more standout r&b tracks on this album getting into track number six let me calm down featuring j cole it's interesting as you never know what jermaine is going to do as far as quality wise and for this year 2023 if it's not an overseas artist and if it's not an overseas artist and if it's not one of his own artists on his label, you can pretty much uh, summarize that it's going to be a fire track or a fire uh, feature because every time he hopped on Drake's album, he hopped on Nikki's album. It was somebody else. He on somebody else's album. Oh no, it was Burner Boy. Yeah. That's the one I was talking about when you yeah, oversee that, that track was that verse was terrible. So if it's one of his, uh, competitors in the space and not an overseas artist or somebody on his label you can probably already tell that it's going to be a fire verse and for j cole i feel like he still has to work on it i don't think he really gets the flack he deserves for giving that verse to j-hope and to burner boy and to what was his name
3: um who is that guy off his label i forget his name but anyways um yeah i totally forgot his name But J.
2: Cole, they're talking about him being on a crazy fire feature run, and he's really not. It's really just this track, the Drake track, and there's a reason why it's so publicized. It's because it's Nicki and Drake. Like, come on now. Like, Once you do it on your own album, which I have no doubt that he would, but I think that he should stick to trying to find his uh, flow before he just hops on a random track. Cause obviously you just hop on a random track and stuff like the, J, uh, the J-Hope feature and the Burner Boy feature happens, which is just not good. So anyways, that track was, um, I say all that to say, that's literally a classic. Like when I first heard that, I was like, dang, this is a classic, classic. Like Nikki had a wave and you're gonna hear me reiterate these sentiments. As far as Drake project versus this one, Nikki definitely had the better song to go along with J. Cole. I know a lot of people are going to be like, what? First-person shooter is fire. But as far as the song structure and the the vibe and the overall longevity, I feel like Let Me Calm Down is a better track. But, hey, teach his own. Track number seven, R&B, featuring Lil Wayne and Tate Cobain. I just want to say, whoever Tate uh, Cobain is, you may have to just stick to being a ghostwriter. No hate, because... I think you took over this track, but it could have been in a way that you gave your verse to Lil Wayne. This is going to sound so much like hate. Actually saying that out loud is kind of crazy. But take bang, right? There's nothing wrong with being a tremendous ghostwriter. The Dream did it. Partisan did it. Quentin Miller did it. You can be a great ghostwriter, you know, turning your reference tracks and let the bigger artists rap, and sing over whatever you make. Because I feel like there's a bigger bag in ghostwriting that actually making music. And if you're not the type of person that doesn't need the spotlight, it's perfect, right? You get all the money in the world and don't have to have your face light out there. It's literally like the dream. So for your chorus to end up on this album, I think it's because it deserved it. But if you would have gave that same chorus to Lil Wayne, I think this track would have been better. Because going from you to Nikki to Lil Wayne, for you only to be there for the courts, it's kind of interesting. Cause I'm like, does he ask some type of numbers appeal? Or is it just like, let me see. So 2.5 monthly listeners, like at that point, like, come on, man, like you, you gotta just, just uh ghostwrite for somebody. Like, obviously that's a lot, right? 2.5 is a lot. Uh, shout out to, you know, notorious mass Effect almost reaching 3 million. But, um, with that being said, let me just say something. Just become a ghostwriter. Nobody wants to, it sounds so crazy, but nobody wants to hear your, your amazing chorus rap right by you. If Lil Wayne's on the same exact track and Nicki, and Nicki Minaj is on the track, let Nicki and Lil Wayne have that moment and you just be a ghostwriter and just get the royalties from that track. And you may have to get in touch with a uh, Party Next Door or something so he could, he could teach you the way. Because, hey, there's a reason why we don't get a lot of Party Next Door music. And I'm just going to leave it at that. So anyways, uh, Pink Friday, track number eight, Straight Fire. I like the vibe she was going for. A lot of sentimental tracks and emotional tracks really getting her stuff off her chest. And Pink Birthday was one of those that really led to that, uh, really was the vessel for that. Track number nine, Needle. I mean, the boy is on it. So come on now. When you have to go on your track, it's automatically going to be fire. But in all seriousness, Drake coming with this type of tempo was definitely unexpected. I mean, I'm not going to say that seeing Nicki and Drake, they're going to have like a lemon pepper freestyle, but I was expecting, you know, some type of lyrical exercise and battle. But of course, they went the pop con, whatever, I forget what that's called. The, um,
3: I think it's like pop caribbean i don't know anyways it's some type of Mik- uh mickey
2: type of flow that drake is on and uh singing of course is, is very much pop it's a pop track and like a i'm gonna keep saying nikki has a lot of timeless music on this album which is why this is which is why the title of this episode is greatest album of all time because i think it's one of those where well, later down the line we're gonna look back and be like dang like Nicki gave us a lot of amazing iconic tracks on one body of work so Needle is just one of those where it's just a timeless track with uh, Drake in a different bag but his most successful bag is "One Dance." um there's another one there's other ones uh the one with Tim's I'm gonna have to bring up his I'm a, I'm a Drake Stan I still can't think of it it's <laughs> I, it's it's uh gifts and curse of, of taking in a lot of information but anyways drake's singing type tracks definitely perform way better than his rapping tracks like in my feelings uh hotline bling like singing is definitely the bag when it comes to success with drake and um he's he's in his bag with, with needle so track number 10 now this is where i draw the line I'm not gonna lie to you as a male as a straight male nothing wrong with being a you know um, whatever you identify as, it's nothing wrong. Teach his own different strokes for different folks, literally. So, uh, with that being said, Cowgirl is just not something I could get behind. Pause. So, well, is that pause? I don't know. Y'all get, hey, y'all figure it out. So, Cowgirl, the way that the track is structured as a guy, it's just hard for me to, you know what I mean? It's like a Powerpuff Girls, like some Shake It Up, you know, like some Disney Channel nickelodeon type vibe but for girls like it's like some what's the unicorns show i forget the unicorn show but anyways it's like that type of vibe you know rainbow colors i can just see girls like it's just it's like a barbie type track like literally it's for Bar- oh no nah, it's a little more r-rated for barbie uh let's just say cowgirl is for the girls and you have to listen to a girl give her a review of that track i'm just gonna say sonically It was great but as far as the lyrical content it's hard to get behind and you know sing along as a guy that's all i'm gonna say so let's keep going so track number 11 everybody featuring little uzi vert this is the one everybody's talking about do i really have to spend too much time on it i mean everybody has everybody in a frenzy shaking their hips to this track so and you know you have little uzi vert on it so it also adds to the fact that you know everybody's doing the uh shaking your hips to it or whatever they call that so i sound old when i say that What what is that dance called i, I totally forgot yeah i forgot what that's called dang i must be getting old that's crazy uh tra- track number 12 big difference this one straight all of these tracks are fire. i don't even have to say that right but big difference is uh you know pun intended lets me know is a big difference between pink friday 2 and the rest of these albums that came out 2023 let me just say that so that should leave you with all you need to know track number 13 red ruby the sleaze already recorded uh, i mean already uh reviewed that track number 14 ford from trini oh this is the uh trinidadian type track trinidad type track i think i said it right trinity trinidadian what? <laughs> what type of <laughs> you know, what type of place did i just say i think it's trinidad type track hopefully i'm right but anyways um that track was fire Sking and uh Skilla Bing really added a unique sonic uh, approach to the album which switched things up which made me realize that even more classic body of work and the fact that she gave us so many different offerings but they're all fire in its own right so with that being said let's keep going track number 15 pink friday girls um I actually don't remember too much about that track I don't, I don't know the difference between pink friday and pink friday girls i'm not or pink birthday and pink friday girls i don't know the difference i'm not trying to be funny i just forgot what's the what the difference is anyways track number 16 super freaky girl i mean i ain't even, i I just rewind the segment and listen to what i said about nikki super freaky girl started all of that all of the success for pink friday 2 That track right there, Super Freaky Girl, is a reason for all of it. And I I don't got no facts to back that up. Just numbers. Well, I guess that is facts. Anyways, I do have facts to back it up. Just rewind my segment. Listen to the numbers I read off about Nicki Minaj's achievements. Super Freaky Girl started her whole 2023 run. Without Super Freaky Girl, I don't know if we get what we got from Nicki Minaj as far as his body of work. And collaborations with the likes of uh, Barbie movies and, and things of that nature. Track number 17, Bomb Bomb. Now, that's the one that I think she already kind of teased. I don't think she ever put officially put this out as a single, but I think she teased it to her um, fan base. She was basically like Bomb Bomb or Nikki Hendrix. If you look it up, Bomb Bomb Analytic Dreams, which is like B-A-H-M, not B-A-M. Um, if you look at Bomb Bomb Analytic Dreams, I think I specifically talked about that track as she was talking about Bomb Bomb and Nikki Hendrix as far as being the next single. I don't think she ended up, it out either it was just to drum up some um publicity and that's another thing her major labels her major label which is republic records under uh subdivision under universal music group i felt like they could have did more as far as billboards and things of that nature but they really relied on a success a super freaky girl and nikki to uh culminate her barbs to support the album which they ended up doing but at that point like why not just go independent like i know that suit that major labels also do other things when it comes to numbers and things of that nature but still it's like dang it felt like nikki was doing everything herself but i guess it's supposed to look like that so anyways uh let's keep going track number 18 my life now i keep going back and forth if i had to be honest track number 22 just the memories and track number 18 my life which is the one we're currently on is battling for my favorite track off of the album i don't know why I just feel like my life is the best of both worlds when it comes to rapping and singing, but just the memories, the way it ends off. I think the way you start your album and the way you end your album really gives more credence into if it's a classic body of work or not. And for just the memories, I know I'm skipping ahead, but I think I'm gonna go with that one. Just the memories. I like the way that Nicki kind of unloaded on us and, and gave us some insight into a life. So anyways, track number 18, My Life is a close second, I guess, and, you know, Take what you can get, I guess. (laughs) Track number 19, Nikki Hendrix feature in future. Um, just another reminder that J. Cole fans will always be delusional. Now I know what you're saying. That came out of left field, ain't it? That did, you know. Hey, J. Cole catching slander, whenever I'm on this mic. Pause. So, anyways,
3: um, future. When people talk about the big three, they always say Drake, Kendrick, J. Cole. But When people recognize the impact, they always bring up Future's name.
2: So why not put Future's name in the top three? I mean, we're not talking about specifically rapping, right? Because then we got to go to like the killer mics of the world or the Royce, the five nines of the world, right? We're not talking about just rap. We're talking about song making and success on the charts, right? So if we are talking about success on the charts, Future is definitely top three. It's Drake. Of course, Drake by far, like Drake, Drake, Drake. And then, you know, a little gap. And then number two, Kendrick. Number three, I would say Future. I mean, maybe Tyler, the creator, but he doesn't put out as much as Future. And as far as what people think NBA Youngboy is, Future has been that for a decade plus. So Future is top three in my opinion. I think it's Drake, a couple spots down, Kendrick, and then Future. And then like Nikki, literally Nikki. So... And then probably Tyler the Creator. Like I don't think, I don't think Jermaine is nowhere near the top three. And I know that's a crazy stray talking about Nicki Hendrix. But hey, both of these artists on this track showcases on this track why they deserve to be ahead of Jermaine. But all Jermaine fans are always just delusional about him being oh he's top three, top three. I'm sliding in third like stolen bases. Like no, you just. It's just the most overrated hip hop artist of all time. But you know, that's besides the point. That's a crazy straight, right? Anyways, back back to the Pink Pink Friday two review. Nicki Hendrix, Nicki, future greatest of all time. Well, not of all time, but one of the greatest of all time when it comes to making music. And them on this track just really combines in a way that it really, and, and all jokes aside, it really culminates to Nicki Hendrix. Like the the sonic sonically they combined effortlessly and and perfectly all right track number 20 man somebody get kanye on the phone i know he saw this kanye saw this and he threw a fit he made he let all the ex experts fly talk about being a christian family man but going on a rant dropping all type of f-bombs and uh gds and i'm gonna kill this per. no nah, he didn't say that but um what did he say he didn't say that he said they was trying to kill him yeah can't, can't be misquoting people out here um <laughs> so anyways but he did say gd stuff and all that other stuff you know christian but anyway <laughs> um reason why i bring that up is because blessings like i read off at the beginning of the segment you know re- rewind to get into my uh analytics portion of it but getting into the numbers nikki had a number one as far as the gospel chart with this record why because it's a gospel track featuring tasha cobb's Leonard which she, I guess, is the most dominant in that gospel arena. And um, basically, Blessings is just one of the more successful gospel tracks of 2023. So when it comes to gospel music, who would have thunk that Nicki would have gave us more quality compared to Kanye and the way we regard him as a genius, which leads me into my next point. This is probably why Kanye went out of his way to try to ride the nikki bandwagon of no ride the nikki wave of her album sales of pink friday 2 album sales right and ask her to approve the release of her verse off a new body which been out right that track has been out three plus years it's been out it's supposed to be on donda i believe but you know kanye didn't want anybody cussing and now he's dropping f-bombs every two seconds you know i guess people change right so nikki changed her mind and she said hey We're not gonna release that. So guess what? Nikki says on live. I would pull it up, but I don't feel like it. (laughs) Nikki literally just said that was so long ago, child. Like she, you know, talking how Nikki talks, and you know, just move on, stuff like that. So move on, Mr. West. (laughs) What? Like he moves on from all type. Let me chill. So, anyways, um, last time, I was that what we said? Yeah, track number twenty-one last time i saw you
3: i think that been out i'm not gonna lie to you i think that track been out i don't know if i'm mistaken i don't think i have the singles pulled up i don't yeah i don't know i don't know if that was one of the singles or not anyways i think it was
2: uh last time that i saw you straight fire i mean amazing r&b melodic vocals on display nikki when she gets into her r&b fat oh also that's another thing i'm glad i didn't forget this nikki the reason why i have her as one of my top five uh, is it top 10 yeah top 10 rappers of all time is simply because her vocal inflection is is uh better than everybody else's like bar none like she is the bar when it comes to vocal inflection. The only people I think can even compete when it comes to vocal inflection and being able to ex- to completely change your voice and it still sound amazing on a track is one, of course, Kendrick, and number 2, Lil Wayne. I should say that Lil Wayne first, but I want you to know Kendrick and Nikki heavily inspired by Lil Wayne with the use of vocal inflection in their tracks. I just want y'all to know that. Y'all listen to Nikki. y'all listen to Lil Wayne. Uh y'all listen to kendrick they give it up and how little wayne inspired them to use the vocal inflection like they do so they are the best ones to get in that vocal inflection range when it comes to putting out content and uh music so last time that i saw you basically the, the reason why that reminded me to say that point is because nikki vocal inflection into becoming a tr- straight singer in this track is straight fire like you know when nikki gets into deep not deep voice but you know a deeper voice like um like beep beep right the way she starts okay listen to the way that she starts off beep beep track number four and then listen to the way she starts off track number 21 last time that i saw you the vocal inflection is on is unbelievable way better than all the artists ever like (laughs) like nikki Kendrick and Lil Wayne is probably the only rappers who have that level of vocal inflection. Anyways, track number 22, Just The Memories. Now, like I said, favorite track off of the album. And there's a reason for that, as if you go to the lyrics right here, she gets into a lot of things, right? when every label turned me down and they laughed about it i remember going home and writing 50 more raps just because i knew you really wanted me to fall back like that's one of those where it's like everybody can relate but she's also giving you a glimpse into her life uh she getting to like she said i remember one of my first crushes in the fifth grade he got killed stabbed in the neck with a switchblade goodness i remember this girl in the hood thought she caught me slipping i got arrested and i assaulted with a deadly weapon now it's not hip-hop without the trinity of topics right you know guns drugs and women am i right so nikki had to put that in there but as always she put a lot of introspective personal reflections into this track that made it my favorite because if you don't know if you couldn't tell by now i like when artists put their emotions into the music so because i feel like every project should be you revealing something of yourself to your audience because of their support I don't know if that makes sense so anyways Nicki Minaj put out this track right at the end of her album for a reason she ended off her verse saying Drake don't owe me anything never did Lil Wayne always remembered that I never slid I never got that one let me click that what's
3: that mean that she never slid i do remember watching i think a nikki doc-
2: documentary or a little Wayne, and basically of course because little wayne is one of the most impact it's probably the most impactful artist of all time people say it's tupac but come on it's, it's definitely little wayne so anyways um little wayne founded nikki early right supporting her taking her on tour all of that stuff uh and then she got to a situation to where she could sign somewhere right she went to Lil Wayne, told him about it, you know, not wanting to switch up on him, letting him know, like, hey, this place trying to sign me. Like, what are we doing? And Lil Wayne is like, oh, I thought we'd been like and then they got it actually like finalized. Right. Uh, You have to watch the Nicki documentary to, to get it like a more simplistic version. But <laughs> um, that's basically all that happened. Like Nicki was with Wayne, you know, really, you know, repping um for wayne and so when somebody approached him to sign obviously you know nikki wants to be with wayne but they wasn't finalized yet so she let wayne know and then wayne was like oh okay well i I thought he was already but we could get you know and then they got the contract and got it also got it finally handled and then young money and then look who we are 10 plus years later right little history lesson for you so anyways, that's probably what she means by uh pray that Wayne always remember that I never slid because she could have easily because it wasn't it literally was just a co-sign from Lil Wayne it wasn't like oh she signed to him it was just like Lil Wayne was co-signing her but without any paper contract involved so she could have went she could have pulled a Megan this let me chill let me chill you know let's just let's just say some people have some loyalty to the people that blew them up let's just leave it at that right um And yeah, I think that's great to leave it at. Uh that that track was great. Uh, fantastic. Nicki Minaj, greatest artist, one of the greatest artists of all time, one of the greatest rappers of all time. In my top 10, um every time I cover one of these type of artists, I always talk about my top 10 because I just want to give them the respect they deserve and let them know that if they ever hear this, that they are not. Competing with anybody in today's age. Let me let them know that. They're competing with the all time greats. It's almost like the LeBron effect. You are not competing with anybody you are playing against. It's all time legacy and, and numbers. You're you basically competing with ghosts at this point. So, to give you my top 10 list, let me see if I can find it. Could you not know, keep lists? You know, what I mean, I'm dedicated. You know, if I'm not dead, then I'm dedicated. You know what I'm saying? My fault. My fault. You can throw your tomatoes anyways my list you know for for the the zero people that ask (laughs) let me give you my top 10 list right so i have jay-z number one of course gotta have hove at there uh kendrick lamar number two of course the tory is big number three tupac number four and five i have number drake well number drake i can't talk number five i have drake now i've been thinking about it i may switch tupac and drake i know that's blasphemy right but as far as rapping i just listen to so much drake and tupac has a limited discography granted it's so impactful that it's like dang you have to have him up there but then it's like is it a gift and a curse on let me chill that's a that's a that's a different discussion because is it that he passed away which led to his music being so impactful or If he was still alive to put out more bodies of work, would he still be regarded as one of the greatest rappers ever? Food for thought, man. Food for thought. Because Jay-Z obviously went on to be a heavily inspired musician by... heavily inspired by the rapper Notorious B.I.G. So now, Jay-Z been living for a little bit, and his raps are similar and quality right it's not like he fell off who's to say that if you would have kept going you would have had a fall off type effect like some people would say nas with uh some of his albums in the last year or two they're not hitting like that right so i don't know but yeah so i may switch to and drake at this point like i just like drake I'm, i'm tired of the drake slander like he may have a couple you know people writing the chorus for him for his r&b tracks but as far as hard hitting hitting lyrics like at this point i'm convinced that he's rapping like the best of all time obviously i have him as number five so he wouldn't be jumping too high but i'm thinking about switching tupac and drake anyways number six of course Lil wayne you know what i mean can't have a list without Lil wayne in it number seven nas number eight eminem gotta have the great white hope of hip-hop in my top 10 i mean it's just like as a white man to make it to this prestige level in hip-hop might as well have been uh in the field like call of duty himself with that type of uh stripe with them type of stripes so anyways number nine the one and only onika tanya mirage so number 10 of course to round it off is andre 3000 as he is uh currently putting out flute only instrumentals so uh yeah if, if you you know fun fact that man has a whole album full of flutes if you want to listen to it i don't know if anyways let me <laughs> so anyways um yeah that's that's my analytic dreams review of pink friday 2 Hopefully you enjoyed it. For my barbs out there, just know that I am uh, an honorary member because sometimes I get kicked out for my takes about being honest about Nicki Minaj trying to, you know, let's just say, I consider myself the media at this point with the notorious Mass Effect and some of the behavior, the behavior habits of Nicki Minaj towards certain media outlets is very alarming for me. From a outside perspective never met her a day in my life but from an outsider perspective heard a lot of things about nikki's behavior towards media now i'm just going off of what i hear but also i'm going off for of what i see i saw Nicki minaj with funny marco i saw Nicki minaj with kaisenette and she seemed normal now does she have the moments where you're like oh i could see what they're talking about yes i mean certain moments where you know she's a little aggressive but technically they say new york women talks like that so hey i mean at the end of the day maybe that's just nikki you know maybe we just sensitive (laughs) so anyways click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about my Nicki minaj pink friday 2 album review and hopefully you've noticed but i do not do album reviews so this was special because this is a special album i don't do album reviews no more and uh, I only did this one because uh, it's Onika, Tanya, Mirage. And she released one of the best albums of all time. So click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Pink Friday 2? And what is your biggest takeaway from Nicki Minaj's rollout?
3: And also, last question, what is your favorite track off of the album? So that's about it for episode 132. Thank you
2: for tuning into the notorious mass effect podcast. And before I wrap up, of course give a shout out to y'all one more time as we just surpassed 12,000 subscribers on my YouTube. Um, I like to point out certain achievements and milestones and accomplishments that only the masses helped me achieve. So forever grateful, forever working hard to give y'all even more improved content. Like I said at the beginning, I'm building a custom PC. So now I'll have even more power to even to make the show even better. You know, some people say, hey, um y'all support me is helping make the show better. And then they go spend that on a, you know, thirty thousand dollar chain. You know what I'm saying? I I'm using some of this money to, you know, invest back into the product and give y'all a better show. So hopefully with this PC we have more capabilities to do more uh to do more as far as the effects and just the overall production side of things we have more processing power uh so i don't you know run my laptop into the ground so anyways uh y'all probably don't want to hear all that boring stuff basically some things to look out for is i'm definitely going to give my rendition of my top games and hip-hop albums rappers tracks of 2023 and that's going to be a nice uh wrap-up of 20 well 2023 i guess to be redundant uh so yeah so that's about it for episode 132. Thank you for tuning in to the Notorious Mass Effect podcast. And don't be afraid to send me an email letting me know what you think of the show and what you want me to talk about in the next episode. Click my click my link tree in my bio to access my social medias and to keep up with my latest activities. If you want to support the show financially, click my Cash App link located towards the bottom of my link tree. They already say that as it helps the show overall oh no i didn't okay <laughs> you know i'm about to say am i getting old make sure to share this podcast and rate the show five stars on whatever platform you are currently listening on as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses thank you for tuning in to another episode of the notorious mass effect